This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast, episode 415 for the week of November 20th, 2016. What's up? Welcome to, incidentally enough, 11 years this weekend of Kanzenshu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Kanzenshu, which itself, uh, about two months away from, if you track everything all the way back, coming up on year 19, wow, we cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Hello, welcome back. Yeah, it's been uh, about a month since the last podcast episode. When we go that long, it's never actually intentional. <laughs> When a month rolls by, that usually means that schedules just didn't work out and we were trying our hardest and it just didn't work. But I have pulled together an episode for you here. It may sound a little rough here. I got a throat thing going on, but thankfully the topic has already been recorded. It's already been edited. That's coming in your ears this week. But oh, hey, my name is Mike. I occasionally go by Vegito EX. We're all friends. You can just call me Mike. And on tap this week is our final review, our final look at Dragon Ball Fusions on the Nintendo 3DS. It's actually coming out this week. As you hear this episode, you should be able to wander down to a store or head on over to the eShop and pick up the American release of the game. European folks, I'm sorry, you still have to wait until February, it seems. Uh, myself, Kieran, I guess we can say of Team Four Star now at this point, specifically of Team Four Star Gaming. Myself, Kieran, and Jake, you know Herms here from Konzenju. We did our final look at Dragon Ball Fusions. That's the topic for you this week, and I pretty much just want to get right into it, mainly because it's difficult for me to speak. I'm really faking and forcing my uh, my voice projection right now. So I want to get you to that topic as soon as we can. Uh, that's what's on tap this week. It is Thanksgiving week here in America. So we'll see where the next week brings us in terms of a podcast episode. But we have a lot of good stuff in store for you. I will join you on the flip side of the topic. We'll wrap up with some content that's on the website that I think you should check out and then look ahead to the podcast. So without further ado, my Myself, Kieran, and Jake talking about Dragon Ball Fusions. You know, the uh, the game getting moved up in release date over here in America really got me off my ass <laughs> to pull this together to do our final review of Dragon Ball Fusions on the Nintendo 3DS. I have an all-star cast of folks that have played the game in Japanese with a, uh, a range of Japanese fluency here. Uh, as usual, I think I'm on the bottom of the totem pole here. Uh, we'll go up the totem pole. Joining me uh, to talk about something that's not Xenoverse, not a console game. I'm so glad. Kieran, what's up, dude? Uh, thank you for saying Saving me. Uh, hi, I'm Kieran. How's it going? Great. And then at the top of the totem pole, as always, it's JK Terms. You know this guy. Hello. Hello. So Dragon Ball Fusions is actually coming out this week. This is the weirdest thing in the world. The game release dates don't ever get moved up. They always get moved back by at least a year. Don't quite understand what their strategy was for pretty much going directly up against Pokemon. Doesn't seem like the brightest bulb in the bunch there making that decision. However, it's coming. We have played this game extensively over the couple months it has been available. Uh, Jake, you and I, we did our first impressions on the game back in August. I think that was episode 409 of the podcast. But I got Kieran and Jake here to talk with me. Our, uh, our kind of final thoughts on Dragon Ball Fusions. I guess my first question for both of you is, are you going to play this game again in English? Kieran, let me start with you. 
I don't think that's any question for me. I dumped in well over 60, maybe 70 hours in the Japanese version. And I'm surprised you say I'm a little higher on the totem pole than you in Japanese. I think we're probably even keel. No, uh, at this no, point no. Now. You're younger. You've got that fresher mind in your oh, head. That, there. Yeah. <laughs> I got my malleable brain. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> I think um, I definitely want to go back because a lot of the story beats, I can tell there were a lot of really fun allusions and references I just wasn't catching. But I could see the characters reacting to stuff and kind of infer what was going yeah. on. I definitely want to experience that in English. Gotcha. Uh, Jake, how about you? Uh, You pretty much play everything in Japanese these days. I'm not entirely sure what you've gone back and played again in English. Are you going to do that again here? No, probably not. I mean, I don't think I'd really get anything out of uh, the English version. I can understand everything in Japanese. And I got to admit at this point that it's been a while since I've even played the Japanese version. I kind of put it away a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you finished the game before me. uh, And I kept playing because, I mean, I'm doing all the news updates about the game so that kind of prods me to bust it back out and unlock the extra stuff and keep plugging away at it but yeah so you've been done with it for a little bit and you already understood everything so i can see you know you just played the game so that makes sense to me i think yeah maybe when it comes out in like chinese or german or something i'll give it another run through Another challenge. Right, whatever the next language is you're learning. Uh, is that still <laughs> Chinese right now? Yeah, well, keep failing to make any progress in Korean, but okay. maybe someday. Video games are always a good way to do that. All right, so since we've given our initial impressions, I kind of want to talk about the overall main story. I don't want to get too spoilerish right here, as much as you can really spoil about this story, because uh, folks are going to be playing it for the first time. I think before we knew there was going to be an international release, I just kind of let the screenshots fly on Twitter, just expecting that most folks would never play it. So let's dance mm-hmm. around a couple things here and there. Uh, Jake, I'm going to start with you. What did you think about the overall story through the main, like the hub worlds of the game that that progressed you through it felt extremely fanficy, but in a good way yeah. like it fit it i think it fit with the tone of the game mm-hmm. because it is this just totally crazy anything goes kind of alternate universe where like all the different parts of the franchise are stuck together into one big uh, melting pot yeah so like nothing about the story was particularly extraordinary, but it, it did its job. Karen, how'd you feel? I think that the, as uh, as Jake said, they have a huge melting pot of just a bunch of different elements and areas and characters from different parts of the story. And I thought those, those were really interesting to explore. I always found myself once I unlocked that new step up the, the lookout mm-hmm. level or whichever you could like, I was like, oh, I can't wait to go just fly around and see whatever there was. Yeah. Cause there's all these little, little dots of places that are really far away. You got to fly to and, uh, I, I didn't think the story was anything crazy, but uh, it was it was definitely a lot of fun. And I think fun is the big keyword of this entire game. Just had a blast with it. Yeah, we we use fanfic almost like a pejorative these days, because if something's yeah. fanfic, it's not good enough to be a real thing. But uh, I think Fusions really wears its hearts on its sleeve. It, it's completely self-aware about what it is. It knows it's a self-insert fanfic and it just relishes in what it is. And I think that gives it an identity all its own. And as ridiculous as kind of like the villain Mm-hmm. turn out to be and are they really like I don't want to get too yeah, much into uh, it kinda, it's like yeah. alright I, I get it and that's fine but it's not really about the story of the game like that's just enough for me to get you going to explore that world and I feel like the world is the like the shining character of this game it's not really any one character here or there the world itself was enough to draw me in I just wanted to be there all the time mm-hmm 
I think the story of this game is essentially just, hey, look, there's that guy. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Well, let's get into the post-game content. Uh, I've been describing this kind of like a Pokemon game where you don't get your badges, but you you beat the story and then the entire world is open to you and you almost start getting legendaries that you can go unlock and and to go out and recruit them. Uh, I feel like the world really did open up and I did still have a ton of stuff to go do. And that was a combination of side missions I hadn't done yet from the main story, uh, recruiting more characters, both random characters hanging out there, but also uh, actual characters and fusions from the series, uh, new areas that you pay up the wazoo from the energy to unlock. It just felt like there was something new around the corner all the time. I think the what I what I really enjoyed uh, with the post game is that by the end of it, I didn't have a lot of iconic characters. Like oh, throughout yeah. the throughout the bulk of the game, right. you get a bunch of those like random character generated people, like half of your you know fighter decks, if you will, is full of these uh, random characters, and the other is allocated to people from the series proper. I had maybe thirty percent of the actual mm-hmm. cast unlocked by the time I finished the game, so I was just on a mad hunt doing like all the 20, 30 side quests I neglected, and it was really really fun. It, I think it had a, its strongest legs uh, after the story was over. I agree. You know, you get just enough of the real characters to not say, oh, I haven't gotten X yet. You really feel mm-hmm. like, oh, that next character, maybe if I just go over here, I'm going to get him. And as soon as the credits rolled, like I just kept playing. Uh, Jake, how about you? I remember you were throwing out uh, tons of screenshots along the way. You did the Arale subquest, all those other things. I think you ended up fusing her too. So you had to do a, a bunch of stuff there. Did it keep dragging you back in there? Yeah, for a while at least. It was just fun to collect all these, like go after whichever character I wanted to then find like who all the people they can fuse mm, with. Yeah, yeah. And just going through like finding, like, well, I get true to its name. I think the f- most interesting part is just uh, sticking characters together to see what happens. Right. right. You don't necessarily know what you're going to get. And I like that they played with your expectations a little bit. Things like fusing Yamcha and Tension Han. Sure, you could get the Yamahan that you know. But if you do the EX fusion, it's a different version of that fusion. And I like that they they kind of toyed with us along the way there. I really like the EX variant that like the EX go tanks was a staple on my team. I never used like <laughs> right actual in battle go tanks. And uh, I love how I, I'm really, really excited to actually now that's going to be coming stateside for all of us over here. We can actually use that street pass function. I know to get the uh, other versions of the characters where you can just do anybody. So I'm, that's the part I'm really excited for because I know a bunch of my friends are getting it too. You know, just speaking about the localization in general uh something we talked about when we were first playing the game was oh my god the challenge to localize this game coming up with all these fusion names and they get to do fusion names of their dub names so you have to make sure you know what you're adapting before you adapt it like this is going to be a tough challenge for whoever took it upon themselves to do it so i kind of look forward i dread a little bit in some cases but i look forward to seeing what they come up with Uh, i do want to go back to the the random characters Mm -hmm. because they did comprise a a decent amount of my team sometimes um jake how did you feel about the random characters were they interesting uh did you even want to put them on your team because there's so many of them out there i mean hundreds of them yeah like literally um and yeah, I actually ended up one of the mainstays of my team was this um, this fusion of two random characters. I don't remember what her actual name was, but it was like essentially it was one of the uh, S grade characters. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, so the um, one of the main uses of these random MOOC guys is that they're relatively they're a relatively easy way to get uh, stronger characters by fusing them together. Yeah, yeah. And so I use them for that. But there's some of them. There's a lot of ones who are just like, well, this guy's stupid. But there are some funnier ones. And 
it's actually surprising the amount of thought that's been put into these guys. I agree. Like, okay, they, they all have individual names, and so there's actual puns in these names, and they eat so um one there's a uh, Android seventy six which is a Namekian, essentially a Namekian wearing number 16's outfit. Mm -hmm. And the joke is that, so 7-6, it's a pun, a Japanese number pun on uh, Namekuji for a slug, slug, which of course is where Namekian comes from. And there's another, yeah, and there's there's like another Namekian who's like an old guy. And so the joke, I can't remember his exact name, but it's a joke on Namekuji, slug again, Mm -hmm. and Gigi, like an old geezer. Yeah, I I remember that. I remember that guy, yeah. Yeah, so they have, and also all these guys, they have these names with puns and they have backstories i don't know if you noticed but yeah, yeah. if you mm-hmm. go through the, their profiles they have like the, that explanation of who these guys are so like like the old namekian it's like well he dresses he dresses like a punk so her look young mm-hmm. or um there's there's some guy who has like a third eye and it says like oh he really admires tin shin han so he stuck a fake third eye onto his forehead <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just i was scrolling through it i wanted to include one i do have a written review of the game that i'm going to be posting uh, today as a, we're recording it should already be up by the time you uh, listen to it i wanted to include one in my review so i tossed one over to julian and i was like hey translate this for me uh so this is a cyan male character his name is garatsu and his uh, profile says a hot-blooded cyan whose motto is willpower and grit he's also the father of one daughter who gets annoyed whenever he lets loose with a corny joke like this there's always just some kind of little thing here and there with all these characters. And yeah, it's all right. This guy looks like he has Kaioshin's hair on Nappa's face and just some cyan armor. But there's always a pun. There's always something interesting in the profile. And guys, can I just say, have you accepted into your life our Lord and Savior, Saibai King? Yes, wholeheartedly. I want him in everything. The fusion of him and Chaozu is my favorite. <laughs> I thought it was just this. I think this is the epitome of what fusions is to me, where yeah. you wander down this corridor and you just get pulled into this insane side story and you wind up with these great characters. And I could not be more happy to say that Saibai Man is a part of my team and quite frankly, a part of my life now. I'm glad I'm glad you accepted him as well. Do you guys have any other favorite characters? I mean, Saibai King is kind of like the peak of the new characters, but was there anyone else that you were uh, excited to see or excited to include on your team? I really oh, yeah. enjoyed the female Ginyu Force. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was there. I really, I really liked them and the little uh, side mission that they had. I thought they were fun. And, uh, I did actually have just a random earthling character I used just because she was an S tier uh, healer mm, and she was okay. like the best one I found. And I fused her with Ginyu. Nice. And I think she was like Mu Ginyu, I think was her <laughs> name. Cute. And she she was just like the best person at reviving everybody, getting my meter up. And I, I thought the random characters were pretty fun. I think my personal favorite uh, original fusion from the game is uh, Arale and number 18. Mm. And it's just Arale number 18. That's her name. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, I think it's just the design looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Just like we were saying, you, you get these characters and sure, it's a random character, but it's so much fun to look and see, and especially these random characters. They have much more flexibility with who else they can fuse with. And just seeing mm. all the combinations that you can come up with, that really made me go like, all right, well, who's this guy that they can fuse with? Let me go find him. And then I can mess around and say, oh, you know, never mind. I, I don't want this. But um, yeah, the, their flexibility is a great word because you can get those healer characters. You can get this guy. Oh, none of my other characters can use this technique, but this random guy can. I want that technique. Mm-hmm. So let me get that guy. So uh, I think they really flesh out the cast in a great way. So I was pretty happy with them. Yeah. What I liked is they had uh, what you mentioned is they confuse with more people. They do have that flexibility there. 
what I want to say like fusion tree of like characters yeah, they yeah. can go like they can kind of climb up these ranks of fuse with this person then they can fuse with this person and then they can fuse with this person to make a god rank character mm-hmm. so now like these people I normally wouldn't care about I'm like oh I want to get that G rank I gotta go find these other random people and I usually would find someone I actually really liked we're already talking about it here but the long term playability of this game so Dragon Ball Fusions is it's a a turn based strategy game I guess it's hard to describe monster catching billiards exactly (laughs) (laughs) you're playing marbles with a bunch of critters except they're all Dragon Ball characters yeah Uh, so you're not really doing a one-on-one fight like you would in a traditional Dragon Ball fighting game so it's there is this other stuff that's hopefully going to come to the domestic release the new modes but uh what do you guys see about the long-term playability of the game from really a single-player perspective? Uh, is there enough to keep you playing? I think mm-hmm. I've maybe sunk in the most time at this point. Um, but again, part of that is, well, I got to keep covering the game. Uh, and Jake, you said you've been dumb for a bit. So I guess, Karen, let me start with you. Do you think there's enough, I mean, especially for a $30 game, um, to kind of like justify that cost? I I definitely think so with uh with the mileage I got out of the I game mean, we paid the only double that <laughs> for the <Japanese laughs> yeah room. and I I still felt like I got my money's worth with that I mean I'll pay those for games I don't put nearly that much time into not to say that the time is relevant to quality but there is so much stuff you can do with this and it is a very fun experience and like I said really the big hook for me was that I didn't have all these characters by the time I beat the story and I was like oh man I I'm missing out on all this really cool stuff I can't wait to see like what this Frieza fused with this other person does yeah. i want to just mess around with all these things and see what my avatar fused with these characters looks like it's it's really really fun that they they kind of gate away some stuff until the end of the game so it really incentivized me to keep going and i know a lot of other dragon ball fans are also like completionists when it comes to this kind of thing yeah, yeah. and you're used to getting all the big characters like you start off with goku vegeta but the end of my game i didn't have them right so me like either. Yeah, yeah. i miss i missed something i gotta go back and do that yeah as opposed to xenoverse where i really feel like all right i saw the story mode and I guess I'll do the post-game story, but Xenoverse doesn't really drive me. I know a lot of people are into this where they they want to train under all the mentors and they want to collect all the clothing. That doesn't really do it for me, but uh, Fusions really drove me to go out there. And you do have your collectathon in this game. There is clothing. There mm-hmm. are special techniques. It's not just characters to collect. There's all sorts of things you can go out there and get. Uh, Jake, as someone who has put the game down for a while, I mean, it's such a hack question, but do you feel like you got your money's worth out of the game? Yeah, I think so. I think that at the end of the day, though, I liked the collecting aspect of it a lot more than the battle system. Although I did like the battle system too, but I guess I put it down because I got to the point where, you know, I, I had all the characters I wanted. I mm-hmm. had all the techniques I wanted. I, you know, not everything, but just kind of the stuff I was most interested in. And then it's, then it's the point where it's like, well, even if I like get a new character, I, the only thing you could do with that character is just fight again. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've just had my fill of the fighting system. So. I probably will at some future point pick it up again and just, you know, go give it another round. But I think, yeah, like, again, the best part of it is collecting stuff. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess maybe a sequel, if they do come out with a sequel, I think maybe there's more, maybe more things they could fine tune just about the fighting to make it even more. I think, I mean, I think the fighting system, there's already a lot of stuff there, but I'm not a big expert on like how to balance games like that but um i don't know it's i guess in the long run it didn't quite keep it the fighting system didn't keep me coming back for more once i had finished the game 
the story mode. Right, right. Uh, we'll come to that in a second, but um, just want to say, you know, we've gotten two patches already. Uh, a third one is on the way next month with a new online story quest. Jake, he just translated some stuff that we tossed up on the site. So there is going to be stuff to, to bring us back in here. Let's talk about a couple things that weren't the best in Fusions. And I want to start with the, the fighting engine because it's it does have some issues, but it's the least of my concerns with very few of my qualms with the game. And really, I think it was the Zenkai, the full throttle attack that you have to use to recruit people. It wasn't a problem early on, but the more overpowered you get toward the end of the game, if you're just looking to recruit this one character and you have to wait for that meter to build up to let you unleash that attack, you're pretty much just stuck sitting in a corner waiting for them to attack you because if you do anything, you're probably going to take them out in one hit. Mm-hmm. The way, uh, One thing I found to slightly get away with that is there's a ta- you can do support tax, which will raise your yeah, meter, yeah. but that's about it. Like yeah, it gets to be very tedious after a I while. I would toss in like uh, one or two lower level characters like, oh, all right, well, I want to level them up and I want to be able to do the Zenkai stuff. So like some I'm kind of compromising on my fighting to get there. Uh, Kieran, what did you run into in this area? I noticed the same thing. I had two teams, one for like competitive, if I'm going to be fighting some really high level dudes. Yeah. And then I had another one that was just my catching team. <laughs> yeah. So I had, you know, I had that's why I had that healer on my team for so long, because like Jake said, if you use like those really big support moves, moves and I, I gave them all the biggest AOE support moves I had. So it was just hitting everybody yeah, yeah. up in that Zenkai meter. And uh, it the problem with the fighting system is it does it's not like Pokemon where you can kind of mindlessly mash it. Every every engagement you really have to think about what you're doing mm-hmm. because you if you're looking to catch somebody you can't kill them because you probably will later on. Yeah. And uh, earlier on you really have to think about it or you're gonna you're gonna probably wipe. Thankfully it's not too harsh but it is it's really tough uh, at times to balance between those two i thought it was cool but it did kind of wear thin near the end you know i I think the fighting engine does a good job of leaving enough up to chance while making you still feel like you're in control Uh, and i think the computer ai does a good job of thinking the way i would think where it's all right they're probably going to attack from this direction to either knock me out of the ring or knock me into one of their teammates Or Mm -hmm. are they thinking I know that and instead they're going to knock me this way? And I would say nine times out of ten, they did what I thought that I thought that they thought that I thought they would do. (laughs) (laughs) I think they did a pretty good job there if I'm describing that well enough. Yeah, I was really actually surprised with how well the AI kind of either adapted to the situation or I could read the situation and go, what would the AI do? What would they think I think they're right. going to do? And like, just, you know, play around with that. I, I really like the AI in this game overall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about flying through rings because <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, it's optional. But this was, I think, the most tedious part of the game and usually for not great rewards like, oh, it's it's a necklace. Great. That is how you got a Raleigh. So. I know. Yeah, had to which, do I, it. yeah, which I would have preferred. I would have preferred if they just left that whole type of mini game out entirely. Yeah, yeah. In general, it's a side thing. And maybe there's one or two in the story mode to introduce you to it. I kind of don't remember. We've really addressed everything I wanted to hit with the game. Jake, I think you and I did such a, a deep dive with our initial impressions. And I think we've covered kind of you know our, our feelings now, months after the game's release, as we look ahead to the domestic version. Uh, this has been one of my favorite Dragon Ball video game experiences ever. And it's, I don't want to oversell it, but at the same time, I am so genuinely enthusiastic about it. Uh, maybe someone should put me on the bankroll here because, like, no one else is 
doing their job of promoting this game. So <laughs> no, I've been ready to oversell it with you, man. This it's so innovative. Like this combat system, while like it's completely different from anything else I've ever played, and coming from a Dragon Ball game, yeah, that was re- that was really exciting, and it's such a. It's such a good premise. It's such a fun world. I can't wait for people to finally get to experience it in their language they can understand for most of the community. And like, uh, you know, Jake talking about the biographies characters had, I wasn't able to read a lot of them. So I'm already excited to go back in there and go, oh, crap, I didn't read any of these. I'm going to just sift through those for a day. Jake, what kind of player would you sell this game to? What do you think? Well, someone who's uh, sick of fighting games, well, Dragon (laughs) Ball fighting games. (laughs) And so this is, I mean, I've always been more into RPGs than fighting games. So this was more in my line than most of what's come out in Dragon Ball for the last few years, last few decades. I know, right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the closest thing I would, I could compare it to is probably uh, Dragon Ball Heroes. But from, from the handheld Dragon Ball Heroes games, I can say that this is a lot better than those. Oh, it's so much better. Like in every respect. I mean, Ultimate Mission to runs like hot garbage on 3ds like it dips into single digit frames per second on some of those oh. special attacks and fusions just looks wonderful and runs beautifully the entire time uh things like the kaioken attack that you know from the cyanar goku versus vegeta when characters use that they're they're flying all over the place and the game just it does not slow down for nothing it is tracking everything that's going on and it just looks beautiful the whole time i remember showing the uh when we had the the action scenes that you do where you actually it feels a bit more like those fighting games once we we started playing xenoverse 2 i was like hang on let me show you a real game (laughs) (laughs) and we started playing that and everyone everyone that was there was like yeah this is this looks super fun yeah well here we are we're on the cusp of the dragon ball fusions domestic release i'm not entirely sure that we thought this was going to happen i think we held out hope for this one we knew hero this was never going to come out that never had a chance but uh, Fusions, I think we were looking at the amount of localization it was going to require. Uh, Extreme Butoden as a fighting game that kind of made sense. I don't know that this makes sense for them to release, but I'm so glad that they have decided to do so. Uh, I haven't played a Dragon Ball game back to back in different languages probably since Budokai 3 when I went from the English version to the Japanese version. Remember back then the initial release yeah. was dub only. So then I had to play it in Japanese and then I played it again and again when the the greatest hits version of that came out. So any other closing final thoughts, Dragon Ball Fusions, Jake? Well, whoever has to translate this has my sympathies. <laughs> All right, Karen, what do you think? <laughs> On those lines, I hope this getting pushed forward doesn't mean they just rush this out the door. I really hope they put the love and care this deserves because this game is really good. I hope they've been working on it the whole time. And I again, yeah. I don't get the let's bump it up. Normally, I wouldn't care, but they bumped it up right a week away from Pokemon. <laughs> and that I mean, yeah. in a game that you're collecting things to go up against a game that you're collecting things like I don't entirely get it. And Dragon Ball Fusions, it, let's be honest, it skews a little younger than something like Xenoverse, uh, even though mm-hmm. it got a teen rating. I don't entirely know why Fusions deserves that. I don't know. Maybe it's the characters just yelling out all the time. (laughs) The the three words that they can yell. I mean, Trunks is, I I don't want to say he's cursing up a storm because, you know, words, Japanese, they are what they are. But they say that a lot in this game. Yeah, they they do. (laughs) I definitely noticed that. And like every yell, it's like, geez, everyone's a, everyone's a touch on the angry side here. Dragon Ball Fusions, Nintendo 3DS coming out. As you're listening to it, hopefully you can probably go buy it this week in America, Europe. Sorry, you got to still wait until February, it looks like. Uh, It's been available in Japan. Remember, 3DS is region locked unless you're doing all your little hacking and your software unlocks these days. I hear the kids are into that, too. Uh, Go buy it. Go play it. We enjoyed the game. 
That is the end of our review. That was a video game review here on Konzenshu, the podcast. I know it's kind of a weird episode. I didn't even give you a news recap. We jumped into the topic within about two or three minutes of the episode starting. That's kind of bizarre for us. But uh, let me wrap you up here. There's a lot of great stuff on the website. Something that I just recently put up was another batch of old magazine articles. Uh, the Press Archive is one of the newest sections on Konzenshu. I like to describe it as a complement to the translation section, which is all Japanese source material stuff, translated articles and interviews and Q&A sessions, that kind of stuff. The press archive is all, right now anyway, from American media that is going to expand at some point in the future. Uh, what I've added most recently, articles from Protoculture Addicts, which is uh, actually one of the first anime zines. It wasn't even a magazine yet. Uh, when I first got into things, I picked up an early issue of the zine. Protoculture Addicts had three specific issues over the course of 93, 95, and 97 that had major focus, major features on the Dragon Ball series. That's the manga, that's the TV series. When you think about those three years in particular, those were kind of pivotal years for the franchise. 93, we were still talking about the Cell arc over in Japan. 95, Funimation was just launching their original dub of the first Dragon Ball TV series. Z was still a twinkle in their eye. And as you'll see in some of these articles, they had grand plans for the original Dragon Ball TV series. They had episode titles and synopses for the entire first 26 episodes. That was the plan at that time. You can read some pretty in-depth stuff there that Funimation outlines. And then 1997, well, we were just wrapping up the first season of Dragon Ball Z in syndication, looking ahead to a second season there that would become an hour-long block in syndication on the weekends here in America. But also 1997, Dragon Ball GT was still on TV in Japan. So I think these three years in particular, 93, 95, 97, it's totally pre-American official release, just as the American official release is getting going. And then finally, just as the American release is really kicking in the high gear and as it's coming to a close in Japan. That's fascinating stuff. So definitely check out the press archive over on Konzenshu. There's a link to it at the top of the page, every page on the website. And in the show notes, I will link that section as well. Another thing we recently put up, this was from 1996, an issue of Weekly Shonen Jump in 1996. This would have been at the end of February. Dragon Ball GT was just getting going in Japan in early 1996, and Akira Toriyama was commissioned to do a one-page comic. It was called Dragon Ball, if you please. It's the self-insert comic where he talks about what he's up to and what he's looking forward to. It wasn't just GT, it was the 10th anniversary movie as well. This is one of those rare instances where we don't just translate it, but we actually, if you will, scanslate it. We don't do this often, but this is the kind of thing where because the artwork is the story as much as the words on the page are the story, that's how we justify it to ourselves. We're well aware of what it is and what we're doing, but uh nah. Now, we think it's okay. We think it's important to archive this stuff. This comic, uh, amazingly enough, actually did get included in the 30th anniversary Super History book, of course, in its original Japanese. But you can check it out on our website, Kanzenshu. That's the 
website and the show you're listening to right now. Hopefully you figured this out by now. So that's some recent non-news content on Konzenshu. In terms of the podcast, we do have some great stuff coming your way. Kieran will be joining me again to wrap up our Xenoverse 2 talk. We did just get some news today as I'm recording uh, about the first DLC pack that's coming in December. So definitely before then, we kind of want to do our final wrap up reviewing the game as shipped here. And then quite a few people have been asking us, when are you guys going to do your review of the future trunks arc of Dragon Ball Super? That is indeed in the plans. What we've done uh, just kind of naturally happened this way. Uh, our buddy Chris Kerbifer has invited me and uh, some Team Four Star people over the course of the Dragon Ball Super TV series to do reviews of the various arcs. And we're going to continue that collaboration into this next story arc here. The plan right now, there will be four people reviewing that arc of the TV series. Uh, you can probably guess who all those folks are going to be based on you know, previous conversations we've had and who you know is here on the show. Uh, we're actually looking, uh, Chris said, uh, early January for that. Uh, December is kind of tricky with the way that everyone is traveling for the holidays, but uh, obviously the, the arc is pretty much concluded as of this point. So www.kanzenshu.com. That is kanzenshu.com. Dragon Ball website, news, content, translations, articles, archives, opinions, editorials, thoughts, that's what we have. Uh, that's pretty much all I got for you right now. So we got some cool stuff coming to the website, both in text and audio form. I have been Mike for Kieran. Thanks for joining us. For Jake, for Julian, for Heath, the folks that run Konzenshu here with me, I have been Mike. If you're in America, have a lovely Thanksgiving break. If you're outside America, well, have a lovely rest of the week, and I'll see you next time that I see you. Bye-bye. <laughs> で、あって集めてフュージョンして、あっちもこっちもフュージョンして、迷わず実験、丸く発見、常識を破る大冒険。クリリンご飯、これご飯、ベジータトランクスでベジックス、ビッコロフリーザ、ボーセルピルス、集